1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Welcome back to Conversations from Away. I'm Christine Toy Johnson. I play Diane and others.
0: And I'm Sean Pennington. I'm the production stage manager.
2: To date... Our show has done over 765 performances. It's been 179 since we relaunched in October. We have traveled to 65 cities and have done 67 loadouts and load ins. That's a lot.
0: <laughs> it is a lot. That is a lot. Uh, so, in this episode, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about what it's like to do a long run uh, from a couple of different perspectives in the company. Uh, All of us here today uh, are original members of the Come From Away first national tour, which started rehearsals in August, August of 2018. And then we relaunched in September of 2021.
2: And we're joined by a very special guest. Will you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, my
3: name's Kiana and I play fiddle in the show.
2: It's great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is such a treat um so personally i have done this is my fourth broadway national tour um but definitely the longest one i've ever done and the largest number of performances i've ever done of the same show i think i'm at 730 plus change or something like that um but sean this is your i believe it's your 17th tour and for our listeners who can't see our, our young, handsome Sean, he's not, an, he's not 150 years old or something like, like I am. So for him to have done 17 tours, that's that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, what it, tell, tell us what that's like. What's the longest run you've ever done in one of these tours? Um, and have they all been, well, they've all been tours. They haven't been sit-downs or, or have you had sort of um, tours that have had longer sit down then uh, for example, we do a lot of one week stops.
0: Yeah. so I had to sit down last night and actually count this up because I wasn't I wasn't exactly sure. Turns out um, I have done I've worked on 17 tours that is true. 13 of those I have been on as uh, either as an actor or as a the production stage manager. And then four, I was the production manager, which meant I organized the whole thing from the beginning through tech, getting it up and up running. I hired the crew. I did all that. But I was not actually on those tours. So 13, you know, actually physically being a member of the tour. And that started for me in 1998 on a children's theater tour of Little Red Riding Hood in which I played the big bad wolf. Um, and that was like six people crammed into a cargo van. Like our set was in the back. We were all in the either the front row or the second row and, we, and all of our luggage. And we literally toured the country in this little van taking turns driving. So I have played the, I've done the extremes. <laughs> I've done like, <laughs> that's how I started. <laughs> and then I went all the way through, I've done one-nighter tours, I've done, I think my record for one-nighter tours was 32 cities in 32 days, oh, so like, without a break, um, which was, that was crazy, um, all the way up to Come From Away, which is my 13th tour that I've actually been on, and I think I can fairly say my favorite, um, yes. for sure, uh, up to this point. Uh, I did favorite
2: than playing the big bad wolf,
0: you know? Yeah, I think so. I think so. That had its, that had its bright spots. Uh, But I have to answer your other question. I have done, I did three Broadway shows as a stage manager. Um, Wicked. I worked at Wicked on Broadway for two and a half years. And so I counted that up and I think I did just over a thousand performances of Wicked um, during that time. So that is my record so far, but with any luck, hopefully Come From Away will exceed that eventually. But yes. yeah, I've lived yes, most think... of my adult life on the road out of suitcases.
2: Well, wow. so I just want to follow up before we ask Kiana about her experiences. The 32 one-nighters in a row, how do you even sleep and then move on do you, are you on a bus that you sleep in
0: yeah well that was a so that was during my obviously non-equity touring phase um that was you know and you know it's good to talk about the differences there because there right. are very big differences of what the union the protections that the union provides right and what can happen when there is no union protection i will say i want to be fair to that time of my life and those people we were very young like That was in my twenties. Everyone had boundless energy and we were, it did not seem at the time as oppressive and horrible a thing as it seems now looking back on it in hindsight. But um, you know, it's hard. The crew lives on a bus. Like we lived, you know, the stage manager of which there's only one stage manager on those tours. Usually it was just me and the crew travel on a sleeper bus. Like, like a rock group would would use on a rock and roll tour. Um, and so that's a whole different subculture than what we're used to. You learn, you know, everyone's living in bunks. Everyone has a drawer on the bus with your food and with your, like, and it's, it's just a whole different life. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. Um, you roll into a, a theater, you know, we play a lot of small cities. You roll into a theater at 8 a.m. You load in from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., the cast arrives. You do sound check. You do the show. You load out. You get back on the bus at 2 a.m. Sleep until 8 a.m. and arrive. You wake up in the next city. Wow. And and that's the that's the now the one stretch I did of 32. That was rare. That was like the longest. And to be fair to the, we did have four days in a row off where they put us up, all expenses paid, in like I think we were in Atlantic City. I think it's where they put us <laughs> up wow. for four days after that to sort of unwind. Um but yeah, I mean that's I, I always think of that as the trenches of touring. But I will say that it is I also feel like it's beneficial. And I can always tell people who started in that world because they 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 have a different perspective on what mm. tour life is like when they get to the larger you know, equity tours, the first nationals, the things that run, you find that, you know, when you have that perspective of how, how hard that can be, you, it, some of the little, you know, trials and tribulations of, of touring a large scale tour don't bother you as much, I think. Um, so I always appreciate that.
2: Wow. That's something that's really something. I when you said you each had a drawer, I actually immediately imagined that you each had a drawer that you slept in. So I'm glad to know that <laughs> you, didn't, you did not no. sleep in a drawer.
0: <laughs> we did have bunks. One funny one funny thing just real quick is that I did cuz I did I did that style of touring probably for 5 or 6 years straight. Wow. And 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 you get so used to sleeping on a bus on a in a in a bunk then it's kind of like, I don't know, there's something womb-like about it. Like you're in this little like closet and you're it's rocking back and forth and you're, you know, as you sleep. For quite a while after I finished my last tour, I could not sleep in my bed, in, my, in, a, in a bed that was not rocking back and forth. It was wow. difficult to fall asleep because I got so used to it. Yeah.
2: That's really interesting. <laughs> um, Kiana, I know you have p- traveled and played all over the world. And can you tell us... How um, Come From Away has been similar or different from those experiences?
3: Yeah, well, it's so interesting to hear Sean talk about his pre-Come From Away life, because I feel like we actually have so much more in common than I realized. (laughs) Um, And I agree that I love the feeling of sleeping on a tour bus. (laughs) It's so cozy. Um, So, yeah, prior to Come From Away, I spent basically the last um, 10 years touring with bands. Um, So I come much more from that world, which is a a very different model for touring um, and maybe a little bit more similar to what Sean's experience has been. Um, It's, you know, different cities every night. You're moving really fast. It's a small group. um, And often you're either on, you know, sleeper coaches um, or you're flying. And it's, you know, a lot of like load into a city, do your sound check, do the show, load out drive to the next city all in the same day. So you don't see as much of the place. Um, but yeah, so I've been, I've been touring with bands since I was 19. Um, and a lot of that has been international. I toured with a Canadian fiddle group, um, and went all over the world, uh, Asia, South America, all over Europe. Um, and then after that, I toured with a Celtic rock band called Gaelic Storm, Um, and then I toured with a Spanish artist named Carlos Nunez, um, and they all had slightly different tour models, um, that I think have prepped me for this sort of long haul tour in very different ways. Um, but yeah, some of that takes the place of sleeper coaches. Some of it is that you're staying in hotels and you end up taking planes to every different city, um, Just all all very different. (laughs) Um and I think the this the really interesting part, just like Sean was saying, is when you get to a tour like this, you know, it's so interesting to connect with the people who've been on those kind of shows because um you just get really, really used to living in a suitcase. And some of the sort of like what what feels like a longer sit-down for me, you know, a week or two, is like It just, it's just such a different experience. So you, you maybe are a little bit more patient with some of that. Um,
2: yeah, does that make sense? Yes. that's, (laughs) That's really interesting. I, I have only done from one week to I'd say six weeks in length. So, um, I don't, I can't even really wrap my head around the idea of moving around more than um, from week to week. And on Come From Away, we, we have actually done no, no shorter than one week. And uh, I think Los Angeles for six weeks in, the, in, the, in year one was our longest stay. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that's true.
0: Yes, that's true.
2: Um, and it's, it is interesting how we have different techniques for moving in or unpacking. Some people don't even really unpack. For if we've are only for a week, um I myself have like packing cubes where i've all of my shirts are in one packing cube, Love and all the, of the pants cubes. are you know and so then then you feel like you ha- you can kind of unpack but you're not really taking everything out mm-hmm. and um sometimes we have kitchens um sometimes we have just a fridge and a microwave and um and i i''m curious to know from from your perspectives. Um, i I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit um but how you go about settling into a city when we are there for a week or more when it has to do with um your your groceries and and how you you plan to take care of yourself um both physically and mentally, including um setting up your kitchen or your little mini fridge or setting up how you, um, are going to plan your week ahead. Kiana, do you want to Yeah, I'll jump
3: into that one. I, this is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about and I feel like I've, I've finally gotten to a place where I'm pretty happy with my routine. Um, But I also wanted to clarify just in, in terms of like the difference of the feeling from like a tour with a band versus a show like this is, you know, come from away or a first national tour, it is like you are out on the road nonstop. Um, Even though you have longer sit downs, whereas the life I'd previously come from in a band tour, it might be, you know, you're like Sean was saying, in 60 different cities in 55 nights, but then you go home. Then you, you know, then you actually get to go home for a month or two months. And that is a really big mental difference I'm finding on a tour like this, which has really changed the way that I approach, like how I settle into a place Um, because it doesn't, it it needs to feel like your home is on the road because you don't get to go back. You don't get to have that other life that you get to like, go to. So I really make a point of like, even though I don't travel with a lot, I travel really light. I do make a point of like giving myself a little, okay, this is my home right now. This is where I live for these two weeks or these six weeks or this one week. Um, yeah. I, I try to like make sure that I'm getting groceries. I think the cooking for myself is something that like really makes me feel like a real person that like lives in the city. I do try to everywhere we go, like you know, be like, okay, we're in Dallas. Let's just like live in Dallas. You know, what would I eat here if I lived here all the time? What are some things we can find at the farmers market, which I know we got to visit together? <laughs> Those what? make such a big difference. Um, and I also have like little home tokens that I bring with myself, like a little blanket and a candle that's familiar that I can just put in whatever room or apartment I'm in for that week. That just feels like, okay, this is this is where I'm
2: landing for right now. I'm going to ask Sean next what he does to keep himself mentally and physically fit. In just a minute we'll be right back.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ha ha in my dentist's office And we're back. Sean, tell us what you do to keep yourself really um, just humming along, doing your job, but also happy on the road and or, and or any place in the long run.
0: Well, it's interesting. Just to sort of finish, tie up what, what Kiana was saying there at the end of the last segment. I, it's funny that up until this tour, I think it's this tour, I never unpacked.
2: Because of
0: my because of my background where you just didn't like I open my suitcase and pull out what I need for the day. And then and I lived like that for so long that it's really this tour, which now, you know, is three years, three, three plus years old. But now I make a point of when I get into the hotel, I unpack everything. I hang up my clothes. I put everything in the drawers. I do. I, I make a home for myself for the week, which is new for me. This is like, you know, and and. But I still, I still pack really fast. It cracks me up when I hear people talk about how they start packing three days before. I literally pack an hour before we leave, tops, tops, because I got so good over all those years of just packing a suitcase in two point two seconds. Like, like it does. I, I don't even know what I would do to start packing three days before. Like,
3: yeah. <laughs> like I don't even know how to, how to do that. Um,
0: but in terms of, in terms of. Um, physical and mental health, you know, that is something to consider. And I think the longer you do this, the more you realize how important it is because it is, there are a number of traps that you can fall in on the road. The one for me, the big one is how I eat. Um, it is so incredibly easy on tour to fall into grabbing quick, fast, particularly not healthy food and, because it's convenient it's open late at night it's after the show there's just and before you know it you're eating nothing but fast food and pizza at least for me um and and that's something i was fine in my 20s but now in my (laughs) late later in lifetime um i that i I pay a price for that (laughs) a big price so i i'm i'm i try very hard recently to really watch what i'm eating and to cook when I can, to always make sure that I've got, you know, fresh vegetables in the fridge or something that I can, that I can make a salad, or you know, I try to eat a salad a day, like trying to, to sort of keep that under control. And then the other thing for me, you know, pre pandemic, I, I tried to make uh, time to get to gyms everywhere we went, I, I really liked going to the gym. Um, since the since we're back from the pandemic, I don't really feel safe Going to gyms just yet. That seems like an unnecessary uh, risk to me, even though a lot of gyms are open. But I just feel like touching lots of equipment that lots of other people have touched is maybe not the best thing quite yet. Um, So I do a lot of walking. I try to get out and walk for long distances as I can. Um, And then I really find that I have to schedule for myself just time away from the company. Sure. I love everyone to death. I love everyone in the company. But when your job is to manage the show and manage all of the things that go along with that, you just need personal space. Right. And and for me, the, the big step I've just taken that I'm so excited about is I just bought a car that I, so I have basically.
3: I've been dying to ask you about this. <laughs> I, I,
0: I have, I have. I have essentially forced myself to have at minimum, like eight to 12 hours of, of thinking time every week while I drive from one city to the next city, Um, which I think is going to be great so far. I'm absolutely loving it. I just, I, it, it couldn't be better. Like to replace the hassle of going to an airport and dealing with airplanes and security and baggage weight limits and all the things that go along with that, to replace that with eight hours of peaceful me time driving by beautiful scenery. I will, I will take it. That's so great. A, well, that's my number one. There's a one lot right.
3: of people on our tour that have made that decision, yes. which I think is so interesting. Yes. That I think especially coming back, people, you know, they've been used to that, like, really clear mental space for themselves. And I think a lot of people coming back made that choice. Because we have – is it 10 people driving the tour? Something like, like... – Wow. something.
0: It's something yeah. like that. So there's think, a lot of people yeah.
3: driving the tour for exactly that reason. And I think it also – having. Having those wheels gives you easier access to groceries and, you know, some lifestyle things that maybe are just so important to mental health. I I really want to hit home for anyone that's listening who is thinking about touring or touring that, like, making those choices that are so – that help your mental health on tour are just so worth it. Even if it costs you a little bit more, even if it takes extra time. I know, Chrissy, you make such a point of the grocery shop every week, which I'm such a huge fan of. I think that that is –
2: Right. Well, Just about also, the best
3: thing you can do for your mental health on the road. Yeah, I think
2: it's that that and also the the um responsibility we have to keeping our um, our stamina in a certain place. So, you know, doing eight shows a week and then also traveling on many of the days off, the idea of of building your your day so that you can optimize your energy to be um, to be where it needs to be um, at seven thirty or six o'clock or eight o'clock, whatever it is, is really paramount for me. I I really have a double life because I'm a writer, too. And so I and I wake up super early and um, and I do my writing and I I'm the treasurer of the Drama skills So I do meetings in the morning and then at basically three o'clock in the afternoon, I say I'm not having any more meetings. I'm now starting my day over again for come from away. And I used to feel a little embarrassed to say that I would have to like take a nap, but then I thought, well, I'm, waking up 12 hours before I go to work, who does that? So it's okay to kind of recalibrate and start over and then do all of the things, you know, all of the warming up, all of the, the. Um, you know, we were joking earlier about how most of the women in the show can, do not have a bathroom break during the run of the show. So like I, for example, I don't, this is so counter, counter Counterintuitive to being a singer or, or a person, but I stopped drinking liquids two hours before curtain because I don't want to get myself into a position where I, you know, I'm regretting my life <laughs> where I have to, you know, I wish I could run off stage. Anyway, I think that um it's it's pretty interesting to think about the daily um, the daily routines and and all of the elements that you've already spoken about that go into. Making sure we can be at our best for to do our do our job and also live our lives and be the full people that we want to be. Kiana, yes. can, can you talk to me a little bit about your uh, daily routine? Your so what do you do to to um, stay inspired and play the same show? um over and over again uh i mean we are very lucky because i think i can speak for all of us truly that we are in this rare unicorn moment where we all really truly love the show we're doing and it's it's such a gift to have that experience and there have been i know for all of us other times when maybe that isn't the case where you where you, you you're grateful to have a job and 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 you're and you like the people you're with and you like your job but it's not maybe as much of Um, I feel like, a love fest as this has been.
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, yes, I agree 100% that this is, it's such a beautiful story to tell, and I still feel really thankful and excited to tell it every night. Um, But, and I would say this, this goes into something I was thinking about before we started talking, that the sameness of the show is, I think, my favorite and least favorite part at the same time of what a long tour like this is. And that takes a very special kind of like mental preparation as I'm sure it does for everybody. You know, how do you, how do you approach that knowing that this is mostly going to be exactly the same as the other 764 shows that you've done? Um, And of course you get to know your body better, Chris, like you get to know how you need to prep for water, for food. You start to like know, okay, this is, kind of like an athlete, like, how can I be in peak performance for this moment when the curtain, you know, goes up? How does this, how do I get my body ready? But I think that the mental part of that is really important. Um, and it's such a strange, it's a strange life because you have all day beforehand that you kind of need to, you know, get yourself ready. My own routine. I, you know, I, I do a lot of cooking at home. I try to eat well. I try to get some physical exercise in, um, I think that's really important. Also as a, as a musician that like the physical health of my body, my traps and my upper, you know, my shoulders and my upper back is really important to how the show goes for me. Um, I've struggled a lot with pain playing in this show in particular, because it's just, it's one of those where I'm like sawing a lot of fast things all the time. (laughs) Um, So I, I do try to like really make a point of, doing some work with exercise bands or anything that can kind of like free up my shoulders and get them warmed up before the show. And then I think that the like mental prep for at this point, I almost feel like it's like a meditation that you get to Mm -hmm. do every night. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, again, it's just, it's a thing that I love, but also can be like really uncomfortable that it is, it's so similar every night, but then that's also the most beautiful part about it. And it becomes this, like, warm blanket that you get to wrap yourself in and and tell the story and, like, just sink into this, like, meditative state, I think, in a way. Um, And I do try to come up with little challenges for myself to, like, keep it fresh every night. I don't know if everyone else does that this far in, like, you know little little tricks that like maybe tonight i'm gonna try to play all these bowings backwards and see what happens wow (laughs) or maybe tonight maybe i even make little goals like you know tonight my focus for this you know 100 minute meditation in violin is like i'm gonna just really live in tone and how can i just have the best tone all night or tonight i'm just gonna really focus on my interaction with this one actor and like how could i make more contact with them? How can I like really explore expressing what that character is thinking in the music I'm making? I don't know. Weird little weird little games no, like that for myself. Really
2: interesting. I know that I'm very conscious of listening, just listening and hearing new things in other people's lines and in my own lines and, and thinking, uh, trying to be really in the moment um, in my own Uh, scene work so that I'm not um, stuck in a, in a pattern of, of a line reading, which is, which is challenging. Um, But I imagine that's really
3: hard after you've done it so many times, it probably feels like this is just part of your body. You don't even have to think about it.
2: Yeah. Sean, how do you keep your show fresh? And, and, you know, you have a lot of things that you supervise. Um, So how do you day to day, how do you keep um, inspired?
0: That's an interesting question. I mean, listening to uh, you both of you talk, it's interesting because it struck me that the definition of success for the stage manager is not the same. Like keeping it fresh is not necessarily a good thing for stage management or for a lot of crew positions. Actually, you don't, you want it to be exactly precisely the same every show show after show so that the musicians and actors and can can create and be fresh inside the 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 parameters of a strictly controlled safe same world from right. night to night. Like you don't, you don't want the turntable moving at different times than it normally does. You don't yes. want, you know, yes, you don't want the light, the light shouldn't come on and off at different times. Like from my perspective, it should stay the same as much as humanly possible,
2: mm-hmm. which right. means you don't
0: get any sort of night to night creative, you know, finding, drawing your inspire into your inspiration from, uh, dif- you know, differences in each performance is not something we do. So I think to answer the question, you know, we, I, I draw my inspiration from the story itself. Like I i do not get tired of telling the story of Come From Away. Mm-hmm. I mean, last night I was welling up at certain points, like mm-hmm. after 765 performances. Yeah. And I will say that I haven't always felt this way. In fact, I rarely have felt this way about most shows that I, that I do. I mean, I always start out, you know, you start out liking you know, liking the show, maybe loving the show, and after uh, you know a long time, that can that can wear off, and it can really become sort of a chore. I don't feel that way about this show, and I think a lot of it has to do with the message. Has to do with the importance of the message at this particular time in history, which I think yes. is really really unique and something I know I'm grateful for. I know we're all grateful for that we get to tell this this story. During this particular time, um, but that's just what keeps it keeps it energized for me. For, on a more practical side, as well, of course, I'm constantly rehearsing our six standbys, um, right. e- each of whom plays five different roles. So there is a natural sort of uh, mixing it up quality to those rehearsals because in every rehearsal, not only do I not know who you know each of them plays a different person in every rehearsal than they did in the last rehearsal. I play the other people, the missing people. So- I really so, want to come watch one of these. That's amazing.
2: I,
3: That's amazing. I, I've
0: talked about this many, many times on this, I, think, I feel like, but it is true. Like I play all 12 roles um, in <laughs> rehearsal. Right. And you know, I try to like, it's fun for me because I have an acting background. So it 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 is fun. I would lie if I, if I was saying it wasn't fun for me to do. Um, and I have to find that that balance of, you know, I believe fully that an actor needs something to to react to. Of course, right. So I try to give when I'm playing the other six roles, you know, in any rehearsal, I try to give just enough so they're not acting against a, a wall. Right. You know, because that's hard that's really hard when you're getting right. nothing back from whoever else is reading those lines, you know but i also try not to hold back so i'm not like fully committed because that can be distracting as well when you're like what, what, what are you doing are you, yeah, are you because, trying-
2: because you know it's to... not about you at that moment it's not about me it's not about me
0: <laughs> so so finding that finding that balance is 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 sort of what i try to do just to give just enough so they feel like they're they're interacting with a human being but not so much that they think i'm auditioning for the role um <laughs> uh, but to be fair like that actually helps me a lot with my creative outlet of of you know where I find sort of inspiration and keeping going and and because I I love rehearsal on this show more than I've ever loved rehearsal just because of that aspect because it's such a challenge and it's such a challenge for the six standbys who all of whom are so phenomenal and they're seeing them sort of grow into each of those five roles really is mesmerizing and it never I never really get tired of that
2: you know, I think that one thing you just mentioned that really um, is uh, something I have been thinking about too is the parameters, of the, the security in the parameters that you ha- and, the, and the crew have set up so that you know you are safe. And for example, um, in the turntable in Stop the World, I know that there is a stage manager on deck, stage right, watching us do walking across the chairs on that moment. And when I see you there subconsciously, I feel, Oh, good. In case something happens, (laughs) they're there. I mean, fortunately nothing has happened there really, except for, you know, the occasional, um, I don't know, bump in the road, but, um, it's really comforting to know that you have set up those, those safeguards for us. Um, can you talk a little bit about how uh the equipment and all of the all of the ele- the the physical elements of the show are maintained and what what it takes to keep them going? I mean the load-ins and load-outs are it's a miracle we we get to a new city and the set is there and it's it's of course it's a hard-earned miracle that the crew has has put all of their their bodies and souls into but um but everything keeps working night after night. And I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit.
0: Yes, I'm very glad to. I think that this is one of the most misunderstood and underappreciated aspects of touring any any type of show, but in particular a Broadway musical. Is, And I think what you just said there about you just arrive and the show is there, that's how... I think most audiences feel like they go into, you know, the music hall at Fair Park in Dallas, Texas, and they walk in and they see come from away. And it looks just like it looks on Broadway. Right. It looks, it, it looks exactly the same. And, and it's, it's, you know, and, and I think I've actually had people tell me that they think that the people here in Dallas built like that, that set just stays here like oh, that we have a new one
3: like we have a new
0: one in every city we go to mm-hmm. they just the people there and then we just arrive and do the show and then leave and someone else yeah. is built like that because and i don't i don't i don't say that to to belittle that 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 idea because what actually happens is so miraculous that it it sort of defies logic yeah when you think about the fact It is exactly the same as Broadway in nearly every way. And on Broadway or any regional theater, sit down theater, when you install a show, it can take anywhere from two to six weeks or in some cases much longer to load that show in. Like they take and that goes everything from going from a bare stage, building the sets, installing the lighting, installing the sound equipment, the sound like everything you can take up to six weeks to do that. We do it in 13 hours every week, Wow, 13 hours. It goes from a bare empty stage to a Broadway show. And if you've ever get a chance to watch, there's many, many people have time-lapsed photography, like done a time-lapse of a load-in. It's so fascinating to watch and to just see the show. It's like, literally looks like a magic, just add water. And the show just grows. Like, it's really interesting. But it can only work because our crew, it's like a Swiss watch. Like like everything has a specific order that it has to happen in and a specific, a specific amount of time that it has to happen in. Like you can't get things out of order. One department can't go too slow or too fast. That's something too is like you, you think about, oh, well, you know, if let's say lighting, you know, or the carpenters, let's say, are having a really good day and they're really energetic and they they get there and they build the the stage and they build the trees and they build everything really fast. But the lighting department has not had time to lay the cables that go under the stage and go around the trees and go up. Like, So they could actually do damage to the whole process if they go too fast. So it's this incredible clockwork of I, I do this, then you do this, then they do this, then I do this and you do this. And it's it's been worked out and they do it every week. And you get so efficient at it and so good at it that you just know what's going to happen next. And, um, and of course, in each city, so we have one or two or even three touring people in each department. There's sound, lighting, carpentry, props, wardrobe hair um, and then stage management. you know so we tour with with those like heads those those folks. but then in every city we engage anywhere from 40 to 60 local crew members who don't know a- anything about the show typically. they show up they're there and they listen to instructions by the road crew. each of them has a team of you know six, eight, ten people. And they they instruct them into how to build the show that they've never seen and don't know anything about. So it's literally like a paint by numbers like just trust me when I tell you, plug this in there, plug this in there, lay this there, do this there, and, and please follow my instructions exactly and do not do not deviate from them in any way. <laughs> because we, and, and they do, and the, the you know, the local crews in these places know what they're doing, they know how to how, how to do that. Um, but I think it's one of the it's one of the things about this this about touring that makes it such a different art form almost than Broadway or or regional theater and it's 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 these are the unsung heroes that I feel like frequently don't get the attention that they that they should get simply before the miracle of what it is that they do. Miracle is the right word. Yes,
3: oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It is just like magic. I love that you said it's like, yeah. you get to watch this. It, it is. Of- it's,
2: it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, I'm going to wrap us up soon, but Kiana, is there anything else that that you would like to add about um, anything that we've talked about?
3: Oh gosh. Well, I was just sitting there thinking that there's this beautiful moment that I get to have every loadout. That's actually one of my favorite things that keeps me so inspired that like as in the band, we have our own little, mini loadout, you know, it doesn't take us 13 hours, but it, it takes us maybe 30 minutes to like, you know, wipe down all our instruments, make sure they're packed properly for travel and, um, you know, that everything, there's like a little bit of maintenance to do and stuff like that. And there's this little moment of overlap where I get to like finish putting my fiddles away and I put all the sheet music away and I get to watch like the hard hats come out. And some of the bits of stage like start to disappear and it's just like, it is actually magic. And I just, it's one of the most, I just feel so grateful every time I'm in that moment that it's, it's like this absolute privilege actually to get to watch that. It's just, it's
2: so inspiring. That's so beautiful. I think one, one of the things that that is so special about this whole experience, and I know we've all mentioned something about it is that it, doesn't get old. It never gets old. The doing hundreds and hundreds of performances and telling the story and, and getting the the energy back from the audience um, and the people in the in the, all the people in the building is so life affirming, really, and um, and exciting every time. It really never is not exciting. And um, I'm just so glad that we were able to have this conversation today to hear different perspectives. We literally cannot do this show without one another. And so I'm so happy to get to share the space with you and experience your joy and generosity. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Chris. Thanks so much, Chris, for having me.